When the door to the shack opened, a bright shaft of light divided the room in half. Jim Bob's looming shadow preceded him. A redneck grim reaper carrying a rifle tucked under one arm instead of a sickle. Time's up, lady. Jim Bob stopped inside the doorway and winked at the gator, an obnoxiously casual move that irritated me to no end. He looked over at me and sighed. Sorry, but the boss said he don't care what I do with you, long as you're out of the picture. So I'm going to get sunshine here outside, and she's going to watch me loosen the bolt, which is the only thing standing between you and our friend here. Jim Bob let the butt of the rifle slide to the floor and tucked his arm around the barrel as he foraged in his overalls for a packet of chewing tobacco. He opened the envelope, pinching out a generous portion, and sloppily tucked the tobacco between his bottom front teeth and lip. Sunshine, he addressed Carla as he shoved the tobacco back into his pocket. In case you got any bright ideas in that pretty head of yours, he said, long as you're alive, he don't care what condition you're in when I get you to him. So, if you don't try anything funny, I won't start blowing off fingers. Yours, not mine, in case you were wondering. Jim Bob carried the rifle across the room and propped it against the wall just out of Carla's reach. Then began to untie the rope from the wall toggle behind her. Don't fucking touch me. She and I spent a few seconds exchanging frenzied glances that mostly amounted to us waiting for him to do something that would give her the upper hand. When she stared at the rifle behind him for a little too long, presumably trying to judge whether she could reach out, effectively grab it, and overtake him, Jim Bob grabbed a handful of Carla's hair and yanked her to her feet. Get your fucking hands off me. I don't like how you're looking at my gun. I could see the tiny spots of brown spittle dappling her face as he spoke while twisting his hand in a circle a few times, quickly taking up the slack in the rope. He yanked her toward him, his hand now coiled with the rope. Now you're going to walk backward out of here like this. He pushed her toward the door, keeping the distance between them to a minimum. She struggled at the doorway leaning around him to look at me. Well, no. The panic in her voice, coupled with the desperate look on her face, was probably the worst thing I'd seen that day, even taking into account what I witnessed with the gator. Tell me what to do. (laughs) Jim Bob uncoiled the slack and the rope and slid around behind her, draping an arm over her shoulder. Sure, go ahead. Tell her what to do, Mr. Private Detective. He roughly caressed her cheek from behind with the hand holding the slack rope. Carla flinched from his touch, not taking her eyes off me. Ah, go ahead, Carla. Don't worry about me. See what your husband wants. Then do him like you did old Wangrove in the bar. <laughs> Jim Bob chuckled, jutting his chin out and digging around behind his lower lip with his tongue before spitting a brown line of saliva across the room toward the gator. The animal lurched at the dip-flavored stream, snapping its powerful jaws. Jim Bob seemed amused 
at how I appeared to be giving Carla instructions about how to handle Lorenzo, but I wasn't. I'd seen Carla take down a guy in a bar during our last case with a quick, impressive move that might work right about now. Carla tilted her head as a look of recognition crossed her face. She returned my smile just before delivering an elbow jab to Jim Bob's midsection with such force, the effort instantly spun her around, one tethered wrist dragging the other with it as she pivoted into position, grabbing his balls with both hands. From my vantage point on the floor, I could see her knuckles were as white as our captor's face had instantly become. The rifle slid from beneath Jim Bob's arm and clattered to the floor as he crumpled in pain. Carla emitted a battle cry and used her body weight to shove him across the room at the gator. The force of her lunge placed her within inches of the animal. I struggled to my knees as the gator clamped down on Jim Bob's arm and Carla toppled away from the writhing pile of man and animal landing on the floor next to me. I rolled onto my side and dry heaved. Jesus Christ. The sound of Jim Bob's bones cracking as he shrieked, set against the cacophony of digestive noises coming from the gator, did little to alleviate my sudden nausea. I got back up on my knees in an effort to stand. Despite being tied at the ankles and wrists, Carla was moving much faster than me. She grabbed me under one arm and pulled me to my feet, then hurriedly untied the clump of knots at my wrists. While I worked them the rest of the way off, she got back down on her hands and knees and used her teeth to rip the duct tape around my ankles until she was able to use her bound hands to free them. Carla was out of breath as she stood up, shoving me toward the door with her body. That boat he brought us on had GPS built into the depth finder. I noticed it on the right over. And it's got reverse direction capabilities that could lead us right to him. She was being far too rational, if you ask me. I couldn't even turn around to see what was left of Jim Bob, as Carla finally got the rope untangled from my wrists and I was free of my leash. I did get a quick look, which afforded me the unwanted knowledge that he'd already been fully dismembered by the time Carla pushed me over to the door. Come on, old man, move your ass. Carla grabbed the rifle from the floor with her still-bound hands. Get this tape off my ankles. It took me a little longer to get back down to floor level, rip the tape from her ankles, while watching the gator have his way with one of our captor's arms, and then get back up so I could stumble out of the shack behind Not sure I'm comfortable with how comfortable you seemed with Jim Bob's hasty demise. Fuck him. Carla hurried through the woods in the direction we'd come as I labored to keep up with her. There was something disconcerting about watching her jump thick brush and felled trees with the rifle held over her head in both hands, like some kind of ninja cowboy mutant on a mission. It was tied in the same spot it had been when we earlier landed, and I was more out of breath than I ever remember being when we reached the boat. Carla propped the rifle against the seat and boarded with the effortless agility one might expect from a woman on a vengeful quest to find the man who'd killed her son. I, on the other hand, clambered into our floating metal chariot 
with all the effort and bad temper one might expect from an alcoholic who'd been sober far more hours than he normally required. After searching around the seat, Carla dragged the tackle box out and rummaged around until she found a serrated knife that I used to free her wrists. I slid to the floor of the boat and tried to catch my breath. I need a drink. And I need a partner who can move faster than the speed of dripping molasses, but we can't always have what we want, can we? Carla checked the GPS and then pumped her fists in the air, having deduced that it had the reverse direction capabilities she'd hoped for. whirring of the metal blades behind their steel cage drowned out my response, which would have addressed her inopportune use of the word partner. Before I go any further, I think a quick lesson about airboats is necessary for you to understand the events that followed. The propeller on an airboat produces a column of air that propels it forward if the flow of air is forceful enough. Quick bursts of air won't do it. Fast and steady wins the race in this case. Most airboats don't have brakes and can't move in reverse. With the exception of a boat that has a collective pitch prop design. Suffice it to say, this one did not. Basically, this means that stopping and reversing direction would be a tricky proposition at best. Carla never got used to the stick located at the left side of the operator's seat. And I can say that with certainty, because whatever she was doing to maneuver the rear rudders, in addition to her hasty woman handling of the throttle, had the boat chugging around in jerky circles, while she shot off a series of expletive-laced phrases even I'd heretofore not heard pass her lips. For a host of reasons, I didn't feel it was appropriate to be the cliched male with navigational issues. Frankly, I was irritated enough to sit there and watch her flounder around in the seagrass for 15 minutes while I closed my eyes, caught my breath, and listened to a fuck-laced rant the likes of which would have fit superbly into any Tarantino mood. A little help here, Morneau. Carla had gotten us stuck on what was probably a dune. The propeller whirring loudly in an effort to further breach our transport. I crawled to the center of the boat and pulled myself to a standing position, using her left leg and the base of the seat, mostly because we were no longer moving and I was less likely to take a header into the swamp. I keyed off the ignition and fan. Carla, perhaps if you understood the basic structure of the machine you're working with, you might find it easier to operate. This is a flat-bottomed vessel. There aren't any operating parts below the waterline, and that's why it's usually good in shallow bodies of water because reeds, grass, and whatnot 
can't get tangled in the propeller, which is this thing. I pointed at the propeller. I know what a fucking propeller is, Morneau. Carla got up and made a big deal of inspecting the area around the back of the boat. Well, it appears you don't fully comprehend how this above-board propeller works in tandem with the rudders. I grabbed the left-hand stick. This is for steering. Push it forward, the boat turns right. Pull it back, the boat turns left. Pretty sure I got that part. If you know how to drive this thing, why aren't you doing it? Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure you didn't get that part. Because what we were doing wasn't so much moving left or right as turning into a herky-jerky set of stomach-churning circles. Second, I only know how the boat works. I've never operated one. Although I did research airboats for a book. Do you remember the scene in Death Doesn't Give a Shit About Your Jimmy Choose? Where Lance is... Uh, yeah, yeah, I read the book. So why aren't you driving this thing? I sat down in the operator's chair, laced my arms over my chest, and crossed my extended legs. Because you jumped into the seat and didn't give me a chance. You looked like you knew what you were doing for about 35 seconds. By that time, I was comfortable down there and I needed a breather. Carla slumped to the floor and yanked the rubber band from her dangling clump of hair. God, you're an asshole. And you're a potty-mouthed, overbearing, liberal, bleeding heart who has a bad habit of jumping headfirst into the deep end without checking to see if the pool's empty first. 